Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Let's stand, can we? Praise the Lord. I'm glad I'm in church. Glad you're in church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in Proverbs 29 and 22. If you don't have your Bibles, just follow along on the screen, if you will. But make it a point to bring your Bible. Amen. And bring one you can write in. Underline. Circle. Draw smiley faces. Amen. The book of Proverbs 29 and 22. The scripture says, An angry man stirreth up strife. And a furious man aboundeth in transgressions. And uh, let's just pray and ask the Lord to anoint the word to our heart. His word is anointed. We say that all the time. And I know that his word can minister to us and meet us at at our point of need, wherever that may be. And so I have no idea what you may be experiencing right now. But we know that God can minister to us this evening. Amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your word and I ask you tonight, God, to just let your word resonate in our heart. I pray that we will not just hear it with our ears, but somehow, God, let the word penetrate our heart, the fabric of who we are, that it change our countenance and our character. We pray, God, that your spirit will strengthen us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. For the past few weeks, we have been using the book of Proverbs as a backdrop for a Bible study, and we've just been talking about wisdom and, and various things about, about life, and uh, the Word of God is very inspiring, and uh, it can bring us to a great pinnacle of hallelujahs, but the Word of God is also instructional, and uh, we can turn there and we can find the answers to, to life's difficult situations that sometimes we face. From the last few lessons, we talked about the value of wisdom. We've talked about the fact that we can trust the Lord in any situation. We've discussed the power of friendships and how important it is to surround yourself with the right people. Not only do we need friends from time to time in our lives, but we also need to befriend people and uh, be their friend. We've talked about speaking the truth of God in love, and certainly I believe that if there's ever a day that we need to be clear and concise when it comes to the Word of God, it is the day that we live in now. The Bible said, If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare themselves to the battle? And so there doesn't just need to be a lot of fodder and muddy water in the pulpits. But we need clear and concise, anointed direction of God 
But we certainly want to realize the value of speaking that truth into someone's heart and life in the spirit of love. In our last visit, we talked about the, the value of getting godly advice and, and where we're going to pull our resources from. This evening, we're going to be talking about the spirit of peace. And of course, from our text, an angry man stirreth up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. It's very easy to kind of get the trajectory of this evening's Bible lesson, the value of living peaceably in this life. We live in a world of turmoil and chaos, and I'm not just talking about chaos around the world or chaos in third world countries, but there's a lot of calamity and turmoil in the very, uh, in our lives, right, right where we live. Trouble's not ever too far away. Can you say amen to that? While Solomon certainly speaks as an authority on the subject of wisdom, by no means is Solomon the only resource that we have within the word of God on the subject or on the matter of peace. James, as a matter of fact, tells us in James 3 and 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Of course, there's many references to the spirit of peace, the attitude of peace. <clears throat> but even Jesus himself in Matthew 5 and 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I believe that the word of God puts such a high value and such a premium on living peaceably. I personally can tell you that I love peace. <laughs> I love peace. And uh, I've just never been into a lot of drama, and uh, I'm thankful for that. I've met people who are addicted to it, I think. But, uh, but I've just, I love peace. And um, we can't have peace in a lot of areas of life because we have no control over so many areas. We have to many times interact in public settings and, and uh, our jobs and various demands sometimes put us in confrontational situations, but I've always been thankful that at the end of the day, I knew I had a home, not just a house, but I had a home that I could return to. And when I pulled that door closed behind me, the world was mandated to be silent. Amen. And so the Lord and the word of the Lord puts a big premium on living peaceably. God's word admonishes us to be a person, certainly someone that's filled with the Holy Ghost. We need not only to make peace, but we ought to be people that can keep peace. And uh, in all honesty, that's something that is a little bit conflicting in our human nature because uh, sometimes getting along with people can be a task all of its own, can it? There's no way to go through life without having some measure of conflict. It's just invariably going to happen. Someone once said the only way to escape conflict is completely to live on some deserted island all alone, but even that's not totally true. You may have heard the story about the man that was stranded on an island for many, many years. Then one day he was rescued, and when his rescuers finally came ashore, they noticed that he had built three huts. So I asked them about these huts. He said, well, I live in that one, and that one is the church that I built to worship the Lord in. They said, well, what about the third one? And he said, that's where I used to go to church. 
And uh, so sometimes we can't even get along with ourselves. Pardon the age-old, decades-old illustration, but nevertheless. Those far-off places seem idealistic. That walking into the sunset, that just driving until the end of the earth, it seems idealistic, but it's just not realistic. And so we have to do something about where we are and bring peace into our lives. I think we have to turn to the book not only of inspiration, but we have to turn to the book of instruction and say, Lord, help me now. I thank you for inspiring me, and I thank you for all of those things that encourage me along the way, but I need some instruction from your word. And so we listen to God's word, and we learn then how to handle conflicts. You're not going to avoid conflicts. So you have to figure out how can we work through this because they're just going to arise from time to time. As much as I love peace, there are just times that conflicts arise. You have to deal with it. There, there has to be something, um, some, some resolution brought to the table. Some level of conflict is inevitable. I'm not talking about World War III, but just some level of angst or misunderstandings are inevitable. And that happens even among the closest of couples. And the closest of friends. You have, uh, you have issues that arise. And, and Solomon even, uh, let me comfort you with this, because Solomon even alludes to this a little bit, and pardon my imagination if you think I'm letting it run wild, but I think Solomon alludes to this a little bit as even being a sign of life. Because in Proverbs 27, 17, we quote this a lot, iron sharpeneth iron, and so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. And, and sometimes there, there is a, the fact that there's a little fight in us is a sign of life. <laughs> and so the next time somebody thinks you're just being angry, say, well, I'm just living a little. I'm just showing you that I'm alive. I'm teasing, of course. Some friction in a relationship in all honesty, is not necessarily bad. And this is not a marriage counseling session, and I'm not a marriage counselor. But but some friction in a relationship is not always bad. And let me keep this in context, because I don't want anybody to have a license to go home and have a free-for-all. But I think we need to know where lines are. And so a man will push his wife as far as she'll let him push her. So some conflict is not a bad thing because now we know where the lines are. And some wives will push their husband to the point where, well, there's fewer amens on that one, you bunch of cowards. (laughs) You bunch of cowards. There needs to be, so some conflict because without that, we would, we would just be steamrolled. Is that right? And that's not healthy. That's not healthy on either side for a man or a woman. And so, and so some friction within a relationship is, is a sign of sometimes health. And I think maybe I hope you're getting this. Please don't call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. Please, please, please. <laughs> I'm not bailing you out. That's just it. I'm not bailing you out. Of course... <clears throat> I hope you know I'm not referring to things that are acidic in nature and and conflict doesn't always have to escalate to some full-blown war every time somebody disagrees. But there just needs to be those perimeters. And so some of that is a sign of life and sometimes health 
can come our way in that regard. There's a way, however, to resolve differences because they're going to happen. So when conflict is resolved peaceably, I think that it can actually strengthen relationships. Whenever, whenever you work something out the Bible way, and the Bible has an absolute outline as to how to resolve conflict about going to a person if there is an ought, and if that doesn't work, then to take somebody with you, and if that doesn't work, there's another step and another step and another step. There's a way to work this out. And here's what I've always noticed, and I say this without fail, that when we do it the Bible way, there is always a positive end result. I remember the very first time I saw or was exposed to, I was just a very young boy, and I, I saw... Uh, something being welded together, a broken piece of metal being welded together. And I remember asking the question, will, will that now have a tendency to break in that area again? Is that going to create a weakness? And I remember the gentleman that looked up that was welding, and he said, son, he said, if this is done right, this break will be the strongest part of this piece of metal. And I've always used that analogy. I've brought that into a spiritual world that if we do it the right way, that what seemed like broken and irreparable can now become one of the strongest parts of the entire relationship. And so I'm thankful for that. And so this evening we'll look at what the Bible says about ways to handle interpersonal conflicts in our lives. Some, some people find it easy to dismiss their conduct, their ill conduct by saying, well, that's just the way I am. And I'm going to say that if you've ever heard that or if you've ever said that, that is the biggest pile of nonsense that you could come up with. Because we can't claim to be born again when it's convenient and then just to claim to say, well, that's my genetics when that's convenient. That doesn't mean that the old man and the old nature doesn't rear its head, but we have to keep him in subjection, in submission. And so... And so we, ha am I, is that all right? And so we can't just say, well, that's just how we are. You know, my grandpa was that way or my dad was that way or on and on and on because we're born again and we've been given a new spirit and a new nature. And that doesn't mean, I'm not dismissing the fact that sometimes that can't run pretty deep in our genetics. That just means we're going to have to pray a little harder because that just can't be the nail we hang all of our mistakes on. And just say, well, that's just me being me. And so if we're born again, then we don't have the luxury just to excuse everything we do by that. And Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said this, we are not our own. That's what Paul said. He also adds that we've been bought with a price. He goes on to say, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so he said, you're, you're not your own. And so we have to glorify God in our body, our actions. We have to glorify God in our spirit, which is our attitude. And because we are, they're gods. They belong to God. And so I have to display that. Paul also writes uh, to the Corinthian church, 723, you're bought with a price. Uh, I mentioned that a moment ago. Be no, I'm sorry. You're bought with a price. Another scripture, he says, be not ye the servant of men. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. That, that says that I shouldn't be a slave to any man. Follow me now. I shouldn't be a slave to any man, even if that man is me. That's what Paul said. Paul, who wrote 
so many things from the vantage point of prison. I heard someone say this today, just before service, I was listening to uh, some preaching, and, and I heard uh, Brother Merle Ewing, as a matter of fact, he said this, he said, I'm, I'm so thankful that even though Paul wrote from prison, wrote while he was in prison, I'm glad that while he was in prison, he didn't let prison get in him. Amen. He kept the sweet spirit and a sweet attitude and could write words of encouragement because he was in something, but he didn't allow that something to get in him. And so I have to guard myself from uh, being a servant of men, even if that man is me. And so it does seem as though God is asking a lot from people that are so filled with imperfections, and we certainly are. But there are many reasons that we ought to strive to live peaceably with all men. That's what Paul said to the Roman church. There are many reasons for that. He wasn't just trying to strike some waterline high on the wall and realize it's completely unobtainable. But there's a reason, although it's a difficult thing. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says this, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days... And long life and peace shall they add to thee. There's a reason to live in peace. This passage teaches us that if we'll obey the Lord and follow the mandates of God, that we can have a peaceful life. Amen. I'm thankful for that. This admonition isn't just connected to a few passages of Scripture either. I believe that that this is applied to the whole word of God, the entire word of God, because within God's word there are admonitions on how to act and what to do and when to speak and where to go and what to avoid and even how to, re even how to refrain from certain conflicts. And so we should never underestimate the power that we possess in our own lives. Even if it's not found in our own strength, we can, if the Lord can anoint us on Sunday morning, he can anoint us on Monday morning. <laughs> and if God can quicken us in a service, if God can quicken us in worship or in prayer, then God can quicken us on our job. And he can quicken us and, and anoint our minds and, and, and anoint our hearts. And so we should never underestimate the power that we possess by having the Holy Spirit abiding within us. And so the way we live, the things we do, can build up those around us or it can destroy those around us because as we've discussed in other services during this study that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so we can lift people up or we can pull people down. And so when we follow after the pathway of peace, I believe with all of my heart, that we help people around us to grow. We help them to grow. I truly believe that when we follow after peace, that we become a living testimony of the word of God. It's now the word of God animated into our lives that, that others can see us experience pain and turmoil because you can't avoid these things. You can't avoid that. But the Lord can, can impart to us strength, stamina to stand, and we can face the world with a smile, even though we have a weight of, of great burden upon our shoulders. I've watched people that, that had tremendous battles going on in their lives, but you know what? They didn't, they didn't show that on the outside. 
They just, they just continue. That doesn't mean they didn't have bad days and it doesn't mean that they didn't close the door from time to time and just cry a river. But God had given them by and large the strength to stand and to stand upright and to be a living example of what God and the power of God and the grace of God can do in our lives. And so in doing so, we help point a clear path to others that are following along. Hebrews 12 and 14 says this, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We often underscore the importance of holiness in Hebrews 12 and 14. However, we should never overlook the fact that peace is also included in that scripture. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. It's referred to as a tool to illuminate the path for others to see the Lord. I believe that people not only ought to be able to see holiness in our lives, is not just certainly in our dress and our lifestyle, but in our conduct, but they ought to be able to see the peace of God in our lives and allow that to illuminate a path for them to follow. Listen to what Simon Peter says about the power of peace. In, in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation, the word conversation there means lifestyle, of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now, I realize that, that, that Simon Peter is by and large speaking uh, specifically uh, to wives with lost husbands. But I believe the principle of this scripture, this principle of this scripture is far reaching beyond just that. I, I think it transcends gender and can relate to even the influence of winning others. And so if they're without the word, they can without the word still be influenced because of the life that is being exemplified before them. And so, uh, and so maybe they don't have a Bible open on their lap, and maybe their finger is not falling along in the written word of God, but they see a life, a living example being played out by them, the word of God animated before them, not for show, not, not showboating around, not trying to be anything that we're not, but just being, uh, just finding that principle in the Word of God, being an influencer, especially of friends and family members. And, and our peacefulness is a living testimony of that others can see and realize that there is a difference. There is something different about, uh, about that individual. And so at some point, we have to put what we believe into action. And uh, I'm thankful for our corporate services and our worship times together I anxiously look forward to them all the time but it, invariably we have to turn out the lights and walk out of the building we have to put into action the word of God we have to we have to live out what we've been shouting about and so a lot of things look good on paper but they have no purpose or little very little purpose if if we don't pull that off and implement that into real life. And so, and like many other things we've discussed in this series, sometimes it's easier to talk about these things than it is to live it out. And so a lot of, it's not hard to say amen and wave our hand about, that's right. But then when it's all in our face, it's a different thing. But God can give us strength. And so if, if we really take this to heart and say, the application of the word of God must begin with me. Not just at somebody else's doorstep in somebody else's life, but I need to let it be uh, begin in me. Because our, our problems usually arise when we ignore the instructions of God's word. And uh, we think, you know, that's not just for me personally, but we want to apply that to others.
Amen. Because sometimes when the preacher's preaching, we're not thinking about he may be actually talking to us or the Lord may be talking to us. We kind of figure out who in the congregation. Well, I sure hope sister so-and-so's getting this. Well, finally, well, finally. I, I didn't think he was ever going to get around to a fixing that. And, but we need to bring a rake. Someone said, don't bring a shovel to church to shovel it away. We need to bring a rake and rake it in. Proverbs 20 and 3 said, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. The Message Bible says this, It's a mark of good character to avert quarrels. But, uh, but fools love to pick fights. I think it's important to, to point out something here. It doesn't say that you should ignore strife. It says you should cease from it. You can't ignore everything. If there's friction in a relationship, you have to deal with it. It's probably, I know in some, some things will resolve themselves. I know that. But often ignoring a problem will not make it go away. You have to work to resolve it and quickly. Uh, I think sometimes we have to, to pray and ask the Lord for the right timing and, and things of that nature. But let's just see some of the ways that we can con- handle these things in the Word of God. Some of the ideas I hope in, that we're going to find in Scripture help us to avoid conflict, and then perhaps others will help us resolve conflicts that we cannot avoid. The first thing that will help us handle conflict in our life is to, is to pause before we respond. <laughs> Because we have to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And so we have to, one of the things that really helps is just not to react. Because there are some people that love to get you to react. They say and do things just to absolutely see how you're going to respond. I know you find that hard to believe. But it's the honest to goodness truth. And so... When somebody makes us angry, our human tendency is just to fight back. And if you've been using this strategy to help resolve conflict, you've probably already figured out that doesn't work too well. And so we, it may make us feel better in the moment, but many times we feel like we, and realize we've got a much bigger mess to clean up now than if I would have just paused a little while and, and just let, let a little time pass. Not to mention more, than often, uh, more often than not, we can even make ourselves look foolish. I don't think that holding it in forever is the answer, of course. But when there is a, re- a conflict in a relationship, we need to delay long enough to, to evaluate what's going on and, and to think rationally and reasonably. Someone once said, cool heads will prevail. And I think that there's a lot of, of, of credence to that. Someone else said flying off the handle is pretty easy, but flying back on that handle can be a little tricky. (laughs) Proverbs 12 and 16, the Bible says, A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers shame or covereth shame. The Message Bible says, this same scripture says, Fools have short fuses and explode all too quickly, but a prudent man quietly shrugs off insults. And so that delayed reaction sometimes gives us just enough time to even determine whether or not this is worth discussing. Amen? And so after thinking it over, you might realize that things were not really what they seemed to be and and truly cooler heads did prevail. Proverbs 14 and 17, the Bible says, He that is soon angry 
dealeth foolishly, and a man hath a man of wicked devices vices is hated. And so someone that is given to anger or dealeth anger foolishly uh, is soon angry, dealeth foolishly. Somebody that is just real hot-headed many times will make a fool out of themselves. And so if we're not careful, we'll be exactly playing into the ring that the devil wanted us to. Proverbs, that same chapter, dropping down to verse 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Another way to respond to conflict, and sometimes this is the answer, another way to deal or resolve conflict is to speak firmly about that. You have to deal with some things and you have to stand up. The Bible says, of David said to Solomon that there are times you've got to stand to show yourself a man. Amen. There, there are times you've got to stand up and speak. Speak firm, but you can speak, you can speak firm and, and still be gentle. Amen. And you have to be willing to follow through on what you say. And that's not always easy. One of the, I, I, don't, I don't say this in, with any disrespect for my, my mother at, at all, but um, I can remember at times at, at church uh, growing up that you didn't always behave just right. And, and my mother would look at me and say, when we get home. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter how many times we stopped. It didn't matter how many <laughs> People, they paused and shook hands, and we went out to eat. You know, you was kind of thinking after a while, they forgot about that. And um, but to my, as much as good as I can recall, my mother never forgot any of that. When we got home, she would always deal with that. And uh, so I remember not, you know, I don't know how old Justin was, but I remember one time at church, we had one of those little incidents, and I told him, I said, when we get home, and I realized how difficult, you know, because I got out of the mood. <laughs> I, got, I got removed from the moment. And I realized how difficult that was. And if memory serves me correctly, that was my first and last time of ever doing that. Because I realized that if you're going to say something, you're going to have to follow through on that. And uh, I'm sure that the, the judgment was not quite as what it would have been. But <laughs> nevertheless, you had to follow through on that. And so I say this, say all that to say this, that when we respond and we speak firmly but gently, we have to then be willing to follow through on what we're talking about. Proverbs 29 and 11 says this, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. So anybody can spout off and just speak your mind. Some people say, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And sometimes they reveal how little pieces they have in speaking the little piece of their mind. But he said, a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. And it's a little bit harder to keep it till afterwards. Can I get a hearty amen? To deal with that, to, to follow through on it. It's been said that there's less weight in your, the less weight your words really carry, the more volume you have to put behind them. And so when somebody really has the authority, I've watched parents in this very building guide children with their eyes. They didn't say a word. Amen? And I know, I realize that the nature of every child is not that way, and you can't do that with every child, but I've watched parents. I've been, I've been led along with my, my parents' eyes before, just one look. 
Just one look, that's all it took. <laughs> totally different meaning there, I promise you. But if you're having conflict with someone, we have to say what needs to be said, make an effort to say it gently. You don't have to be cruel. I've always said that you don't have to put something on the end of a spear and run it through somebody to get the point across. You can have a grown conversation. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and 1, of course, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up angry, anger. And finally, in closing, if our musicians will make their way, we should always sincerely look for a solution. Now, let me say that again. We should always sincerely look for a solution. What can we do to fix this? And I want to tell you something. It's a lot harder to talk something out than it is to yell it out. Because yelling it out just kind of appeals to the old man. And it scratches the back and the nature of Adam. But to sit down and resolve an issue, it takes sincerity. To resolve the matter, to put it to rest once and for all. Because sadly, some people have the same argument over and over and over and nothing gets resolved. Because no one is willing to sit down and talk it out and come up with a solution and then stand by it. And this, of course, happens not only in marriages, but it can happen in parent-child relationships. It can happen in work-related conflicts, of course. And they can take a path. And, you know, we, we're living in an age, an hour where, sadly, it's not uncommon for, for there to be work-related killings where people have had such unresolved conflict until uh, not only do they take the life of people they've been in conflict with, but they take innocent lives as well. And we see that played out on the news and we think how tragic because what we were able to see was the end result of, uh, of a knife or a weapon of some sort. And we see the, the blood on the wall. But let me tell you something, just as many people can be taken out with tongues. In the absence of blood, in the absence of, uh, of, of an ambulance and things of that nature. And so we have to be very, very careful that we don't allow something to run to the place that... Um, that we take lies because life and death is in the tongue. People want to go on and on and on sometimes about the problem without ever really trying to work toward a solution. What can we do to fix this? And so obviously discussing the problem is just part of finding a solution. But there has, there, if there's nothing more going on than just merely talking about it, then nothing is ever going to be resolved. Because in order to resolve something, somebody has to change their behavior. <laughs> Somebody has to change their mind. Or the other person is going to have to change how they feel about that behavior. Somebody has to change. Somebody has to give in. And so if you want to resolve conflict in your life, then, then I'm going to have to be willing to let go of it and direct my attention not so much on the conflict, but what can we do to solve this? And you're not ever going to change everything about your friends. And you're not going to change everything about your companions. You're not going to change everything about your children and your families. It's not going to happen. And so you've got to learn how to figure out how I can best now fit into this you. The Bible says in Proverbs 15 and 18, A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Strife for a solution to conflict. You don't have to keep reminding that other person of what they did wrong. Because once 
steps have been made in the right direction to resolve things, we need to be willing to let it go and just forget about it. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind me. I understand that we don't have the capacity to literally forget something. It's always there in the back of our mind, but we have to be willing to let it go and not keep bringing it up over and over and over. Spiritually mature people are not, I'm going to say this, spiritually mature people are not interested in keeping conflict alive. Let's do what we need to do to get this behind us. Let's move on. I'm not, I'm not talking about just kind of soft soaping issues, but really fixing them as best that they can. And here's the bottom line. We have an obligation, I believe, as believers to live peaceable lives, if at all possible. And that the Scripture teaches us, as much as lies within you, to be at peace with all men. Now, with that said, I realize that there are some people that, as I mentioned earlier, that are addicted to drama, and they don't want peace. They hit the ground not wanting peace, and we're probably going to put them back in the ground not wanting peace. And so when these situations come along, uh, I, I do my best to try to resolve those things if I can, but I sever those relationships or at least distance myself from those relationships because I don't want to drown myself. Amen. And so to be clear, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about relationships that can be severed or, or relationships that you can distance yourself from. Of course, immediate family issues have got to be resolved if at all possible. And our attitude and actions toward being peacemakers and peacekeepers not only do us good, but as I've mentioned already a couple of times, it helps point other people to the reality of the Word of God, that you're not just saying something with your lips, but you're saying it with your life. There really is something different. But even beyond that, there are going to be times when conflicts arise, and we need to know how to deal with them in a way that can glorify the Lord. And so if you have a job, if you have a spouse, if you have children, if you have neighbors, if you have friends, if you go to church, you know what? You're going to have conflict from time to time. It's just there because human beings are there. And, and, but we don't have to live worship or work in a war zone. We can allow the spirit and the presence of the Lord to touch our heart. Amen. I've been... Ex- <laughs> I've been exposed to a lot of things through the years. And they haven't all been positive. And that's made me all the more not desire to be like that. Amen. I I, want to turn and turn away and be different. I want to be what God's word says I can be. I am not standing before you the perfect, the, 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 <laughs> the perfect template by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not even almost alluding to that. But I want to see everything that I can see good in people. And I want to surround myself with good people. And I want to mold my life after that kind of person. I want to shape my life after that kind of person. A few weeks ago, let's, we can stand. We can stand if you want to. A couple of Saturdays ago, I took some of the men in our church involved in our prison ministry and our mana team. And um, I have a, a great friend in that of Brother James Wolfe. 
Brother Wolf has been an inspiration to me on many fronts. He is not only a great preacher and a great leader, but he has proved to be a great friend, he and Sister Wolf, to both my wife and I. And so he was one of the men in my life and ministry that I looked to and said, I want to be like that. Not to mimic, but I want to be like that. I want those characteristics in me. And some months back, I had been praying, and, and in prayer, I really felt impressed to call Brother Wolf and ask him if he would allow us just to come down. I wanted these men. I know they know Brother Wolf. But they just kind of see him at a distance most of the time at camp and various functions. But I want us to sit around the table because I want some of that to rub off on us. Amen. I was very intentional about that. Because I want to find people that have lived this out before others. And I don't want that to go by the way of the grave. I want a little piece of that to be broken off. And I think that, I think someone even referred to that as that Brother Wolf just broke off little pieces of himself and placed in our heart. I want to find people that know how to be a Christian. And I want to mold my life after that. Amen. Would you let the Lord touch your heart tonight? Can we just worship Him as we close? Amen. Let the Spirit of the Lord take us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.